currently at the Spring Street Gallery in Saratoga Springs. Anne Diggory is showing her work. And these are beautiful landscapes. And she joins me now for Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Welcome, Anne. Thank you very much. So I do want to, since your work is a visual medium, begin by introducing our listeners, giving them a little bit of a visual idea of what your artwork looks like. How would you describe (laughs) your work? Well, it's interesting to try to do this verbally, because one thing I say to people is um, I don't paint nouns. So I don't describe my work as saying, um, oh, I paint mountains and water and trees and rocks. Um, That would be like taking a song and saying it's about a person, but you have no idea what what's happening there. So to me, um, I I like to paint about the energy in the world that I see in front of me. um, And I often use as subject matter, I use landscape elements and I have a preference sort of a bizarre preference for things that are moving and changing. So clouds and water. Um, And so to some extent, my job is to freeze them into shapes and colors, but then make them move again to give them some energy of that world. So the the show is called uh, Near and Far, and it's basically on several levels. It's nearby in the Adirondacks, um, a lot of a lot of water because I enjoy painting that. Um, it's very evocative of a lot of moods and things. And then a series from um, southern France where I spent three weeks um, painting. So there's that near and far. And then a lot of the paintings involve a juxtaposition of what is near to you and what is far away and trying to get some kind of connection between them. And often the same light is hitting them um, or there's an energy of shape talking to each other. Sometimes they're connected, sometimes they're disconnected. So that's interesting to me. And the sort of the third uh, more esoteric part of near and far is the surface of them um, is the near. You're touching it, you're making brush strokes on it, but the far away is that sense of illusion. So sort of on those on those three levels. Your description is a way that I couldn't even begin to explain. So it's wonderful (laughs) to hear you articulate that. I am looking at your website right now and it is, it it does feel very much like you're capturing that moment where you've been outside all day and suddenly you look up and it's that moment that really stays in time. And the clouds have just this like gleam, the the angle of the sun is hitting in in just that right way. There's so much to look at um, and you do it so well. And um, I was seeing a canvas behind you and you, do you always begin with a bit of a beige canvas? I often do just to give it a bit of warmth um, to start with. It's also a lot easier if you're painting things that are white, like clouds and water, um, you have to, to make them show up, you have to have a dark around them. So if the whole canvas has a slight tone to it, it's it's easier to lay in with with the things that are light colored. Um, so that's one reason. And I often leave areas untouched and it's almost more interesting to have some color to it, even if it's untouched, if it's just a, a very tan or um, sometimes I've, I've used other colors, but um, that's a, a favorite kind of orangey color to it. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the energy, it's you talk about that magic moment where all of a sudden the light lights up and something happens. And that's often sometimes what inspires me to get started 
But as anybody who knows who paints, within about five minutes, it's gone. <laughs> so you have to wait for your the strength of your memory, and maybe the light will happen that way again. Um, but in the end, it's what's happening in the painting. So um, I'm a bit different from some plein air painters, and then I will start when I'm out there um, and, you know, have woken up from camping and all of a sudden there's this gorgeous sunrise and I rush down to the shore and start painting it. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, the important details probably happen back in the studio. I, I can, I sort of make it similar to a, a conductor. Um, a conductor has all the instruments there, but you've got to pull out the lights, push in the darks, push up that color maybe remove those branches. They didn't work. Um, so in the end, it's what's in the painting, not necessarily what's in the landscape. So that's often a, a challenge that I have. And how long have you been painting and how do you see your style having changed over that period of time? Well, I've been painting, I've graduated as an art major about 50 years ago, which makes it that long. And that was an education that was important to me. I was at Yale, a lot of art history, a lot of theory, a lot of why does one paint um, attitude, even though I'd entered as a math major, but that's another story. And um, then learned a lot from nature itself. A lot of time spent out of doors, seeing how forms congeal and um, fall apart, what happens with light. So nature has been sort of my teacher in many ways. The, in terms of how the work has changed, light has always intrigued me. Um, structure, shapes that are interesting and talk to each other um, in sort of rhythmical ways. The subject matter, the nouns have changed over the years, but you probably the styles are, are connected. And there was a time before I moved to Saratoga Springs, I was inventing crowds. I would take you know 10 people doing 10 different things and I'd have a hundred people on a canvas. And then we moved to Saratoga and all of a sudden there were, you know, 20,000 people next door. So I, I ended up painting the crowds and sometimes the horses, but only little ones in the background um, for a while. And then decided that that took up a lot of my summer. So I spent more time um, in the Adirondacks or in other areas. And, you know, I think the the big change probably that, that this show has an example of is about, oh, maybe... 12, 13 years ago, I got involved with combining some photography with my painting. Um, so that in the images, when you see the finished work, you start trying to figure out, so some of this looks like photography and some of this looks like painting. And there's, I like that kind of mystery of people trying to figure out, you know, what's going on here. And that started with, I was working on a painting and trying to figure out how to finish it. So I took in Photoshop, I put the painting in Photoshop and then started dropping some photos in to see how to finish the painting. Um, and instead, I got really excited about how that contrast of photography, that sharp detail and that believability, it, how it sat with the with the painting. So I, um, with a friend's help and with um, finally a commercial printer, found ways to come, you know, take a picture of a painting add little details of my photography and then print it on the canvas um, so that I would then rework it. And so it's, it's sort of like a, a cook, an Oreo cookie. It's a little bit of paint, a little photography, and then paint on top. Um, and then the show includes, I guess, five or six, actually six done in that method. 
And that's that's one thing for the talk that's Friday night that I'll be giving giving people always are curious about that method. So I'll be actually showing the process um, via my computer how how that kind of process works. People ask, so why do this? And to some extent, it's it's when we get back to the music and the orchestra kind of idea. When you have a song, there are words, and then there are sections where there's just sound. And I like the photography and the painting working together because sometimes there's a lot of detail and you can tell what's what it is. And then there's sections that you have no idea really what's happening, but the music of it contributes to the rest. So sort of that's sort of a snippet from my talk on Friday. I was very pleased with the um, the way the gallery looks with its work from the last five years, but mainly the last two years. And it was carefully selected by Belinda Colon, who's the curator for the gallery. And um, it's always nice to have someone else looking at your work and helping make those choices. So you mentioned that talk, which is December 15th at 7 p.m. And it's taking place at the Spring Street Gallery. It's inspiration to expression. Yes. What else can uh, listeners expect from that talk? Um, part of what I want to show is the um, contrast of different kinds of work and how they start and how they finish. Um, so I'll be showing um, photographs of the motif that inspired me uh, and, and then showing uh, versions of them as they as I worked on them. Um, a lot of, even though I think the painting needs to stand on its own as it's finished, it's sort of like the being able to look at a poet's first draft. You then understand what words they decided not to use or what lines they left out. So by showing some of the earlier stages of the painting, um, I'll show, um, you know, what were my first choices? Why did I leave something out after putting it in? Um, and then sometimes the fascinating part is when I thought it was finished and it was in a show, hmm, I think I'll to make some more changes. You know, what is it about that final expression that um, made me to kind of make a few last minute changes? And I think in the end, those are the ones that are most important probably for the expressive nature. And it's not just adding detail. Sometimes it's taking detail back out. That's part of what the talk will be about is, and it'll be for a regular straight painting, which is on acrylic on canvas. It'll be for the hybrids, which start, as a painting, but then go through photography and then paint again. Um, and then some little tiny ones as well as, you know, what's the difference between inspiration to expression for a small piece or a large piece? I understand the process of an artist is very interesting. So you're talking to me in your studio and color changes in different settings. You're using paint. Oh, yes. <laughs> you do seem to be in daylight. Do you paint in daylight or do you have a certain light temperature that helps you to come to a specific a specific color? I, I do like to paint in daylight. Um, part of <clears throat> one of the paintings I'll be showing is a painting at Buck Pond in the Adirondacks. And to work on it, I had to stand in the woods looking out at the lake and it was very dark in the woods. So I would just keep, I would paint and then I'd run back to the shore and look at it and then bring it back in and work on it. Cause I needed more light to actually see what I was painting. When I get back to the studio, I do use um, daylight lights in my studio. And I discovered uh, once, depending on how warm or cool your lights are, it can really change the color. I, I once, there's one uh, painting in the, 
show that has a lot of purple in it. And when I started it, I thought they were sort of brown. Um, but as oh, I, this, yeah, <laughs> you change to uh, you know a warmer um, light uh, or a more daylight, excuse me, more daylight, and all of a sudden, and I thought, okay, okay, I'll keep that color. That, that you know, I toned it down a little bit, but um, yeah, color. They actually say, you know, to paint under the lights that it will be seen in an exhibition or in someone's home. And those are slightly different. Um, but if you know what the gallery is that you're going to show in, then probably <clears throat> it would be good to have at least uh, have seen it under those conditions. And Diggory, I'll save my other questions for your talk. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. What would you like to let our listeners know about your artwork or your process in painting? That's a good question. Um, probably just to trust themselves looking at paintings and try to understand, look at them and why, is, why are you affected by one and not the other? Um, you know, can you figure out what some of the choices that an artist has made, um, whether, you know, where they've been, uh, what choices they've had? And I think it's, it's a lot of seeing, but seeing art in the real world, um, not just looking at it on the internet. Um, that's a huge difference in seeing real live painting. And so that's why I would encourage people to come to the exhibition. Some of the pieces that look three inches high on a computer screen are actually five feet square. So I think that that's, that's an important thing to think about. Thank you so much. Thank you. And just for listeners, the your website is diggory, that's D-I-G-G-O-R-Y dot com. Yes, thank you very much.